Welcome to the Building Heroes Podcast, where we learn to build heroes in our homes to help our kids be prepared for their life journeys. Hi, I'm your host, Molly Christensen, and I love to encourage and mentor you on your path. Hey there, welcome to the Building Heroes Podcast, episode 39. And today, I have a special treat for you. So a few episodes back on episode 35, I shared an interview that I did with my oldest son. Because I know sometimes maybe people think, well, she's teaching all these ideas about homeschooling. They're a little different than mainstream, but does it really work? And a lot of you love this interview and you let me know that it gave you so much hope and it really gave you something to look towards as well, to see the possibilities. So I got to thinking, I was like, why not interview my son's wife too? because she was homeschooled, she's amazing, and I didn't actually homeschool her, but it's good to see some of these outcomes for sure. So what you're going to hear next are some excerpts from the guest interview that I did inside of our Heroes Journey membership, where we support you on the homeschool Heroes Journey, and if you want to hear the full interview, not too late to join us, it's there. Hey everyone, welcome to this month's guest interview. And I am really excited today for this guest. I think she is too. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell. This is my daughter-in-law, Erin, and she is married to my oldest son, who was a guest interview from last month. And she wanted a turn too, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How fun that was. Um, Anyway, I... um, I'm so grateful for Erin. She is so wonderful for my son, Casey. And they are a power couple. They do amazing things. And I'm always so impressed with all the awesome stuff you guys do. So Erin was also homeschooled. And so I thought it would be fun to have her on here too and have her tell you a little bit more about her homeschool journey and what she's doing now. So tell us, Erin. Tell us about your journey. Okay, awesome. You're right. I'm so excited. Uh, Casey and I joke that you haven't reached homeschool success until you've asked to be, uh, you've been asked to be like on a past homeschooler panel as an adult to speak about your experience. So I feel like this really, this is just topping off all of my time as a homeschooler. It's really bringing it all full circle. So I'm excited. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I have was homeschooled almost my entire life, K through 12. Um, my mom had, I have two older siblings above me, and my mom had been sending them to school and had been dealing with that system. And I, I went to like kindergarten and I think maybe first grade, but she just didn't love it. There were some frustrations there. And so she decided to pull us out of school. Um, and so I started homeschool fairly early on, but something that I feel like is maybe unique about my situation is that my mom was always willing to kind of let us direct our education. So every like three years or so, I would start to feel left out. I would start to feel like I was missing out and I would be like, mom, I want to go to public school. And she would let me, she would sign me up for the public school or for the charter school. And I would go for about three months and then I would just be like, this is a disaster. I can't do this anymore. And then I would go home for another three or four years. Uh, So I think I ended up attending um, like three months of third grade and four months of seventh grade. And then that was it. I was done by the time I had completed those. Um, I was, I realized homeschooling was the way to go for me. 
I remember just as like a third grader, I was going to elementary school because I thought it was what I wanted to do. And I just, I just remember thinking to myself that they were just wasting my time. You know, I would sit there and I was learning and spending so much time on math and English and all these basic things that I already understood. And I didn't feel like we're very valuable. And at the time I was uh, learning to play the harp. So I had a lot of um, musical programming going on and I was big into theater. And so there were just other things that I wanted to spend my time on. And I felt like they were just eating that time up. And so as a homeschooler, I felt like I was able to dedicate that time to where I was interested and what I wanted to do. And that really kind of became the theme of my entire education um, because I got to spend the time where I wanted to. So as I got older, you know, I, I was homeschooled through high school, but I really stopped calling it homeschooling because I felt like sometimes homeschoolers have like a bad rap, especially when you're uh, in high school. So I started telling people I was scatter schooled. And what that meant was that I just kind of picked different pieces of the education that I wanted. So, you know, I went to orchestra at this one school and I went to speech and debate at the private debate league. And I took math from this specific tutor or this teacher and I did everything else at home on a program or whatever. Um, so that's what I told people. I just kind of followed where my passions led me and let that direct me. And that meant a lot of different things over the years, but I feel like it ended up giving me a really well-rounded education and I was really happy with it. I, I, I felt so fulfilled as a teenager. I felt like I was doing the things that I loved and it was awesome. So, um, that was my homeschooling journey. Um, I'm turning 22 tomorrow. So for context, that's, I've been out of high school, I guess, for like four years. Um, I did go to BYU after I graduated and graduated from there just over a year ago with a degree in political science. And I work now as a policy analyst for a local government think tank. I work with local governments on their policy and reforming um, their current legislation and enacting new, better laws. And this fall, I'm actually leaving that job to attend um, law school at Brigham Young University. Back there, where I started um, on a fluoride scholarship. So that's my, <laughs> I only say that because I feel like a lot of homeschool, homeschoolers and homeschool parents worry that like, you know, being homeschooled is setting your child back for if you go to college or any graduate program or anything. So I throw that out there as a testament that, you know, it's not going to hold you back in any way. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely doesn't have to, and it can definitely be a huge advantage. And I did not know that term scatter school. I like it because I kind of call that like buffet schooling or smorgasbording. Yeah. <laughs> Where you just look at all those awesome opportunities out there and you pick and choose the, the best ones out there. So love yeah, that. Exactly. People just have like when you say homeschooling, I feel like we've come a long way since then. But I just felt like when I said homeschooling, people thought I was like hunkered down in my basement and I never left my house and I didn't know what the outside world looked like. And I just didn't like that connotation. And so that's where that came from. Cause it really is, I think, the best of both worlds. Uh, you're totally right. Well, and also, I mean, just talking about homeschool stereotypes, I, I know a lot of teenagers don't like to claim homeschool <laughs> as their school. Like my girls will often say they online school, which who doesn't these days, right? So, <laughs> um, but um, 
just as long as, as far as stereotypes go, I think that so many people in this world just think that we stay in our pajamas all day and we're socially awkward and, and we, <laughs> we just run around doing whatever we feel like, which, which is really not true for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's funny. I, I, you're totally right. As a teenager, especially I was like, I don't want to claim that, but now I let people like get to know me as an adult and then I'll throw out that I'm homeschooled. And they're like, oh my gosh, you seem so normal. Like, that's crazy. What? And it's like, yeah. So I'm trying to combat that stereotype, but you know, it's going to take a while. Well, and, and I think that's, that's really what so many of us want to do as homeschoolers. Cause even, even when I started homeschooling, I was just like, do I have to wear a denim jumper? Now, <laughs> now they're actually coming back and they're cute. But you know, <laughs> I it, it is it is an interesting thing to tackle those stereotypes, and I think it, it's awesome when we do have these fully homeschooled kids or scatter schooled, whatever. Um, I, I don't even mean fully homeschooled. I just mean people who've taken their own education into their own responsibility, you know, and and they've done the things that they are passionate about. But you know, when we when we see you guys, you're like, look. You can be successful. Isn't this awesome? And and you don't have to be socially awkward. Oh. Although sometimes I think I'm socially awkward and <laughs> I learned my social skills in public school. So, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. But some of, some of us are, are probably, it, it's a lot more dependent on personality and parenting, you know, I think somewhat kind of a combination of the two too. And yeah. I definitely don't think you're socially awkward. I might, be, <laughs> I might be the opposite of socially awkward. I might be uh, socially comfortable to a fault. So that's on the other side of that spectrum. You're right though. Like the whole socially awkward stereotype is so weird and so dumb. Cause like, first of all, a lot of people are just like shy or at different levels of involvement than other people. And like, that's fine. And you would find that in public school or private school or anywhere that's just called being human so it's weird that it's been like relegated to the homeschool stereotype but well and I think often at the beginning a lot of the people who were homeschooled are the ones who struggled to fit in and so they did feel socially awkward but when they they came home hopefully they could you know feel more safe and secure in that area too you know so yeah all right so you are going to law school, which is an intense thing, <laughs> I would say. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about why you've decided to go to law school now? Yeah, so that's, that's a really good question. Um, it's been a culmination of a lot of things. Um, I grew up doing like speech and debate and mock trial and all those stereotypical things that you'd think might lead a young person to want to go to law school. But despite all that, I actually really did not want to go to law school at all. Uh, but in the summer of 2019, right after Casey and I got married, we actually went out to Washington, D.C. Um, we got married on Wednesday, went on our honeymoon Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, came home and packed on Tuesday and moved out the next Wednesday to D.C. So that was that was a wild time. Um, but I was interning in the Senate in DC. And so while I was there, I had the opportunity through BYU to listen to a bunch of really cool speakers and meet some really cool people. And there was this time when we were sitting in a courtroom, we were listening to Judge Griffiths, of the DC Circuit Court speak. Um, he's an LDS judge on the DC Circuit. And I just remember listening to him talk about 
the court system and the importance of, um, you know, civil discourse, being able to talk about big ideas and, and challenge each other. And uh, somewhere in that conversation, it just hit me. And I just felt a really strong feeling that I should be pursuing the law school path. And I guess I can't really chalk it up to anything other than, you know, a spiritual prompting of sorts. And so I just, I, I rode the bus home with one of my fellow classmates and I asked him about law school and the law school admissions test. And I was like, this is the first time I was hearing any of this. And I went home and I cried to Casey because I was like, I really don't know if I want to do this, but I feel like it's what I need to do. Um, so at the moment, I just had kind of, you know, that mentor figure had prompted something in me, had sparked something in me, and, and I just trusted in that, and I went down that path, and I started down that path. Uh, flash forward, a year later, I graduated, and I got my job that I work in now, working with governments and land use and that kind of thing. Um, and so I had kind of been preparing to go to law school, but also didn't know, so I got this job, and in that job, I had the chance to just learn so many crazy things. It's been such a wild ride, such an experience, but I realized that I was really passionate about things like property rights and things like local government. And that's what I was working on, but I also didn't feel like I had the necessary skills to really take that on to its fullest extent or really actually make a difference in that sphere and make an impact uh, without a law degree. And so it kind of all came together. I realized these uh, giants that I had been battling actually I was prepared for and I was being guided towards. Uh, so it really just all fell into place and I studied and prepared and I took the LSAT and I went through the application process and just decided that it was the right thing for me. So it was kind of just like having faith in a feeling that I had and then following what I loved and what I cared about in the moment and it led me to, to where I am now. Well, and I love that because it's that's a really great example of a hero journey story, which is not complete yet. You know, <laughs> you, you're, you're just kind of like, I, you get this call to action that maybe you need to go on the path to the law school and you have all the refusals about why maybe you shouldn't do that because it's yeah. big, you know, that's a commitment, it's scary. And then you have mentors to help you through and then you commit it to the action. And that's when you started journeying into the unknown. And that's when the adventure really begins. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's what's coming up for you next. So it's really awesome too that you're homeschooled and now you've gotten this full ride scholarship to go to law school, to one of the top law schools in the country. So do you want to speak a little more about that? How did you get a scholarship? You know, I think a lot of parents are like, uh, wow, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. And the answer is hard work. And I'll tell you why that is the case. Um, growing up, I did not really know how to study. I never really studied that hard. I mean, I was homeschooled. I loved reading. I loved learning, but things came really naturally to me. And so I never really had to like buckle down, put my head down, do the work and just work hard. Um, so that, and, and that kind of continued through college. Like I, I had to work harder and I had to figure it out, but, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like a real challenge for me yet. Um, preparing for law school, I, so in October of 2019, after I got home from that summer from DC, I took the LSAT, which is a law school admissions test. And I got like a 157, which is like kind of average. And I was pretty disappointed because 
Uh, I, I don't know, I guess I'm a little entitled in that way. And I was kind of expecting success. I was kind of just expecting to like take the LSAT and get like a 90th percentile score just because. Um, so that really like shocked me into reality. And I realized that this was gonna actually take some commitment if I wanted to do it. So I took a while to decide if that was what I wanna do. I wasn't sure, uh, you know, I had to actually take the time to decide and commit. But the following year, I decided, I decided that was what I wanted to do. And because of the kind of law that I want to go into, I realized that I wasn't going to ever be in a position to pay off hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loan debt. So I had to go somewhere affordable and I had to preferably get a scholarship. So um, I made an agreement with um, Casey and some of my good friends that I would take an LSAT section every day. So that's like 35 minutes of just practicing. And if I didn't, I had to pay them each $10. So that would have been $30 to back out of that commitment. And that was kind of based off some books we read about like habit forming. And so I, I did that. We, we made a little contract and we signed it. And from February to November of last year, I took an LSAT section Monday through Saturday, every single day without fail. And um, that is kind of how I ended up in the spot where I am. Um, I don't know, like law school admissions will tell you they're looking for well-rounded candidates, obviously, that have a lot of experience. Um, and I had that too. I mean, I had a lot of really good extracurriculars and I have a job that I've worked in kind of in the field. And so I have a lot of background, um, but without that LSAT score, they would, I, I don't think I would be in the position that I am. And the only reason that that happened is because I just put my head down and decided that it was something that I wanted and I wanted enough that I was going to work for it. Um, so like I'm... I'm really proud of that story because it's like not something that came naturally to me, but I decided it was what I wanted and I went for it. And so, yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question, but I feel like that is the reason that I was offered a scholarship. And it's just because I kind of uh, nailed that test um, because I committed to it and I really wanted to do well at it. And it's funny, I have like a kind of similar story on the other side when I was applying to go to college in the first place I wanted to get really good at ACT I wanted a really good ACT score and I was like I'm gonna study I'm gonna do all this stuff and I did not do those things I never really got around to it and I couldn't be bothered and so I didn't do it and you know I got an okay score I got into college it was fine but you know looking at those past two experiences now I realize the difference is just the ability to just like put in the work and work hard and I think that's what made the difference for me and got me to this position and that's hopefully awesome. that answers that question no that's awesome and and what you know maybe you were feeling kind of like a failure somewhat because you didn't do well earlier on but it like you still have more chances to succeed in life yeah you know? I mean I'm sure you didn't feel like a failure because you probably did pretty good but on the ACT but yeah like you maybe you were like oh I could have done a lot better you know yeah yeah, well, and that was my my reaction when I took the or my first LSAT too. I was, I was like, are you serious? That's all I got? Like, <laughs> dang it, you know? And you take a second to like feel sorry for yourself. But um, I've been reading this psychology book by this professor. Her name's Carol Dweck and it's called Mindset and it's about having a growth mindset. And so in the past, I've been the kind of person that reacts to failure. Like, oh, that's an assessment of my value. Like I'm a disaster. Like, wow, I really bombed that. Like my, I must be a bad person. Uh, but failing failing or just like not doing well at something should always be perceived as like just an opportunity to do better and commit and try harder like it's a blessing that it's not easy because it means you get to learn something so 
I know that sounds really cheesy and it's a lot harder to put into practice, but it's easy to say it after having taken a step back. <laughs> <laughs> well, totally. But, but the more you practice, the better you get at it is what I figured out. You yep. know, I mean, it's, I, and I want to go this direction now a little bit too. You sound like a person who is pretty motivated, pretty intelligent, can, you know, work the system uh, pretty well. Not, I don't mean really work the system, but you know, you, you didn't have to study much, you said. So did you find that that was almost a detriment to you, just having the things come easily to you? Or did you find that helped you out a lot? You know, how, how do you see that? Um, it was both. Yeah, I think it was absolutely both of those things. Um, on the one hand, like I, I loved all my high school experiences and I loved doing things that came naturally to me and that I loved doing. Um, and it was awesome, but it did, like I said, it kind of built this um, sense of entitlement into me that like I should be good at everything. And my value as a human being is tied to being good at everything. And so I kind of had a rude awakening when I you know, got to adulthood and I was like, oh, I'm not good at everything. Uh, that's kind of hard <laughs> to realize. But it provides a really valuable opportunity because when you're in that situation and you know and you face something that you're it's uncomfortable or it's new or it's different or it's hard it just gives you a chance to practice that just like you're saying the more that you practice that and the more that you respond well to challenges the better you're going to be at it uh so i feel like it was a blessing and a curse it was an awesome it i I really clung to things that I was good at, but it was also almost limiting in that sense because I was afraid to branch out. And I'm I'm not as afraid of that anymore. And I, I like to take on those challenges now because I feel like that's where you find real value in the work that you do. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I have some kids who everything come nat comes naturally to them. And, and so they have that same issue where, you know, you give them something new and they don't know how to do it. And so they don't even try. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, what? So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it actually really does go back a lot to that mindset book by Carol Dweck that you're talking about, where a lot of times it, it's more about the persistence and the grit than the natural talent. And so I love your example of studying for the LSAT test, because I think sometimes we think that some kids are more natural test takers than others, which is true in a sense, but it's also a skill anybody can learn yeah. if they just put in the time for them. For some people, it may be less time. For other people, it might be more time, but anybody can actually learn it if they want to and they choose to. Yeah. I'm a big, I mean, that's part of the mindset thing too, is that like some people really believe that their intelligence and their abilities are fixed and that's how living in a fixed mindset. Um, and that's just not true based off of a lot of the research that's been done on that, but it's also just not healthy. Even if it was true, it's not healthy to be like, well, if I'm not good at it now, I'll never be good at it. I'm a big believer that just what you're saying, like tests can absolutely be learned. Um, if it, whether or not it's worth it to learn them, or that's like going to be really valuable, totally different question. But yeah, I think it just takes persistence and, and grit and tenacity. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Let's go back to your homeschooling experience. And why don't you tell us what you really felt like maybe more specifically, what was really good in your homeschool? And then maybe you can say what you would change. Cause Casey told us already that he was all for homeschooling the kids. So 
you know, hopefully you are too. <laughs> Oh, we were going to have this conversation. Just kidding. <laughs> no, but, but but maybe you can say, what would you take that was good when you if you start homeschooling your kids, and what would you change? Maybe we can phrase it that way. Okay. Um, well, first, I I do want to homeschool my kids. I think that would be awesome. I that's yeah. I hopefully that's the plan. So I'm I'm with you there. I'm with Casey there. So. Um, <laughs> And I'm totally supportive. Yeah, I know. I have a good supportive. <laughs> it's true. I'm very lucky when it comes to that. I know a most that's like the hardest challenge with homeschool moms is that like there's nobody. It's like, where's my network? What do I do? I have like very built-in network and support system for that. So super yeah. blessed. Uh, <laughs> anyways, what I really loved about my homeschooling experience is that it was passion driven, that it was what I cared about and what I wanted to do. So like I said, like when I was young, I was really into the harp and I was practicing hours a day and I loved it. And I loved theater and all these things. Um, as I got older, I got really into speech and debate and I would spend hours a week on speech and debate, um, with the local league that I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. I don't know. Um, and that was, you know, that was what I loved. That was what I wanted to do. And I think that's, I just think that's really fun. It's, it's a lot more, I feel like in line with real life, you know, you know, at public school, it's like, we have hour blocks for these different subjects and real life isn't like that. If you don't want to do a day of math out of college, like, I don't feel like you really have to, you know, you can figure it out. And if you don't want to go to a language arts, there's no like scheduled period for PE or language arts or whatever. It's, you know, your life and you're accountable for your decisions and you get to choose. And so I feel like that's, you're really treating kids like adults in that sense that they get to choose at least to some extent, obviously there's some basics that we need to get down. Um, but to a large extent, I feel like there's a lot of freedom, at least there was in my experience. And I love that. Um, what would I change about my experience? Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I wish what some, I'm not, this isn't like academic specific. So maybe this isn't a good answer, but I wish that there was like less pressure on me as a kid. Um, I just, in homeschooling, I think it's weird when you homeschool your kids because you're mixing, right? Like you're their parent, but you're also like their teacher and all of that stuff. And I feel like my little brain got that a little bit mixed up and I kind of started to feel like my parents' love for me was conditional upon my performance and my abilities. Um, and I just don't think that's really healthy for kids to feel that way. And that's probably not really my parents' fault. It's probably more a fault of my own, but I just want to make sure that my kids know that you know, we're, we're all learning together in a safe, uh, space. Um, and we're all in this dream together. And while academics are important, um, that's not where your worth comes from. And that's not why we love you. Um, we love you and God loves you independent of your academic performance or any of your other abilities. And so I feel like that's, I don't know, that's something I just want to make sure that my kids know and, and are confident in. Yes. That is awesome. And sometimes, despite how much you try to do that, they still sometimes take on those stories. Yeah, that's, and that's why I say it's probably not my parents' fault. I think it's probably just my little brain. Uh, I wish that my brain did not do that to me, but I think it did. And it probably caused a lot of damage, but that's okay. 
Well, and, and sometimes, I mean, some people say that adulthood is really just um, healing from the stories we created as children. <laughs> so, I mean, there you go. There's your next journey, right? <laughs> and, and you're already realizing this now at only 22, which is amazing given many of us don't figure that out for a long time. <laughs> so... <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me for this fun podcast interview with Erin. Isn't she great? Well, her parents homeschooled a little differently than I did. They still took a similar path of teaching their kids to go on their own hero's journey as well. And really, that's how it should be. Every single family is going to do things a little differently. But as we base it on these principles, it's going to work out. And you can do this too. So the principles are the same looks different, got to be adapted for every family, but let's do this. Let's build heroes together. Thanks for listening to the Building Heroes podcast. Can you help more people join the Building Heroes movement by sharing this podcast? More people can find it when you subscribe to the show, rate it, and leave a review. For more help on building heroes in your home, get the free Building Heroes resources at www.buildingheroesacademy.com